What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and today I'm bringing you the beginning of a new series. Um, It's been a, wow, a long time since I've felt inspired, really, to do shows or to do much of anything, you know? Uh, And about three months ago, a buddy of mine, Chase Kosterlitz, who runs the Blue Zone Camps down in Costa Rica, had started getting into foiling. I was living on the East Coast here. Uh, up in the northeast and surfing the point breaks up here which are amazing and there's just never enough swell keep watching all the foil videos online i'm thinking to myself maybe if i foil you know these points become very interesting with with not much swell in the water so i decided to give it a go and it's amazing i am right now about an eric month into it and when i say that i mean i go pretty hard when i get into something so that's about a month of basically two a days while I'm down in Costa Rica over the winter here. I've been down in Costa Rica for a total of about four weeks this year. Uh, Go back on Monday, go back tomorrow. Super excited about that. And, you know, I'm finding myself in a very similar situation to paddle surfing in, you know, 2013, 2014, which is you're on this explosive point in the learning process and there's just not enough information. And so I've found myself reaching out to folks and asking questions and and trying to learn as much as I can. And I've just decided that should just make that public and just do it as a part of the progression project podcast, which is really maybe tangential to what we do here, which is break down the learning process, uh, flow, deliberate practice, mastery. Um, but I am finding immense amount of flow and fun and practicing as hard as I can in this. And so bring you guys along for the ride and see how it goes. Um, It's not going to be relevant to everybody, but especially if you're a surfer, you're going to enjoy these. So I hope that you do. Uh, The guest today on the show is James Casey. James Casey is an Australian waterman. I think is the best way to describe him. He is a, actually, I know James through the paddle surfing world i've you know watched him surf he's been a he was a teammate with chase kosterlitz uh, on jp for a number of years he just did very well at the sunset event he always does well in bigger surf um and he is one of the very early adopters in the world of foiling on the show he actually says that he thinks that he was the first or second guy in australia to be foiling um alex uh from go foil uh had given him a foil and he started riding a number of years ago. And so he's one of the first guys doing it. Uh, my first exposure to foiling was from Dave Kalama. Um, not seeing or surfing with Dave Kalama, but when he was down here and we were filming what turned into the uh, Conversations Project, he was what James calls foil brain. Uh, Dave was in the midst of it, just talking about you know how darn exciting the sport is. And it is, you know. If you're not familiar with foiling, what it is, is you are surfing waves, um, and foils have been used for a long time in the kite world and the America's Cup. Uh, essentially, you're riding a wing in water. So it's like you're flying because you're elevated out of the water a little bit, and it's like an airplane wing. It's a front wing and a back wing, a fuselage connecting the two, and then a mast that goes to your board. Um, so you're a few feet up above the water once you catch a wave and you plane off, and what happens is, you are surfing, I call it 4D surfing because 
surfing is a very, you know, in my experience and why I love coaching surfing is because it's the most, it's very difficult to coach because the, the environment is so dynamic and foiling takes that environment to a whole nother level to where not only are you worried about everything else that's going on in surfing, but you multiply that basically by a factor of five or 10, because you now have to control your height above the wave and you're going much faster because there's almost no resistance on your wing. So you're able to ride incredibly small waves and it feels like you're riding much bigger, more intense surf. Uh, and you know, when I talk about like flow, flow multipliers, it's on a whole nother level. You know, the only sustained experience that so barrel, when you get barreled and you're surfing, like that's an incredibly deep experience. Um, but it lasts two, three seconds at best most of the time for most normal people. Um, when I race, I got really into racing, uh, carts last year doing league nights and whatnot. And then that's a pretty deep experience for, you know, a solid five, 10 minutes. I mean, it's incredibly deep and foiling is a deeper experience, not quite as long as the racing experience, but you can, you know, a 30, 40, 50 second ride is, is very common on a foil, especially when you start linking waves, which is kind of right at the point where I'm at, you know, I'm able to do some turns. I'm, I'm flying at a pretty decent level and I'm starting to link my first waves together. Um, so it's a, it's an incredibly exciting part of my learning path and it's going to be very fun and I can't wait to, to talk to the folks who I'm going to. So James Casey is the first guest right now. Um, James is actually going to be coming down to Costa Rica to do uh, a camp with us over the summer. Stay tuned for those details. We'll be launching that in the next week or two. Chase has been working on this for the last couple months. Um, and with us, you know, with Chase living there full time and my experience in Costa Rica, we've got the whole spot dialed and we'll be able to do it in a very safe way. First camps won't be for beginners. They'll be for folks who have their uh, feet a little bit in the sport already. Uh, just out of a safety factor, but we'll probably move into some more beginner camps uh, next fall and over over the next year. But so stay tuned for info on the camps, and I'll have some links to to that when we release this show. So, all right, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show. And here is James Casey on Foil It. James Casey, thank you very much for being on the show today. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Eric. Looking forward to it. Yeah, this has been a long time in the making. You know, I've I followed your stand-up career for a long time and wanted to chat. We actually talked a, a while ago about coming on, talking about stand-up, and never really worked out. And now we get to do it about foiling, which is probably going to be a lot more, a lot more fun. So thanks for doing it. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, glad to make it work. Uh, to start things off. Why don't you give a little background of who you are and what you do in the world of water sports, and then we'll dive into how you uh, transitioned or have taken on foiling now and, and, and get in there. But, but start at the beginning for us. Yeah, so I guess um, growing up, I'm James Casey grew up on Sydney's northern beaches, which is kind of a hotbed for the, uh, I guess, shortboard surfing. You know, you've got Simon Anderson, Tom Carroll, Button, and lots of really good shortboard surfers and, you know, world champions. And uh, I guess I grew up at North Narrabeen Beach, on, which is a lot of the world champs came from. So um, learned to surf at a very young age and grew up 
doing that, basically that and, you know, your nippers and rugby and basically just what all Aussie kids do, lots of sports and, you know, a lot of it's revolved around the ocean. Uh, so, yeah, grew up doing that and surfing and my dad was always into windsurfing, so sort of natural progression. I went from surfing and dad tried to teach me to windsurf and then I got all, I pretty much got that and then we learned to kite surf and got into that a lot, going over to Hawaii and then we saw Led out at um, Who Keeper one day on Maui, um, out in the stand-up, and you know it was the first time we'd seen it. And we're like, oh, it looks pretty cool. And I um, actually injured my ankle kite surfing that that winter, and I couldn't pop up on a shortboard when the waves were good and there was no wind. So I ended up hiring a stand-up paddleboard over on Maui and surfing the outer reefs with no one else out. And um, thought, how good is this? You know, you can you can surf these waves that no one else wants anything to do with and there's no crowds out you know yes the board's a bit bigger but i prefer to be doing that with no one else around um and they're learning a new sport so we came back home and actually got one of my dad's windsurf boards and um got a rake and cut off prongs and used that as my first down at paddleboard out at a local spot um which <laughs> that's true <laughs> which wasn't which wasn't very good it wasn't much fun we got we cut ourselves up because of the stand up or the, the the windsurf, you know, the sandpaper grip. And we got a few waves that it was not, you know, anything. We, we didn't do that much. And then basically, and then a few stand-up paddleboards started to pop up on um, in Australia. And so we bought a couple of those. And we actually still have one, an old, um, I think it's a 10.6 Nash Nalu. And it's just one of those classic boards that you don't sell. You know, it's just one of the first ones. And, yeah, it's kind of from, from there it. I never really thought I'd get into the racing side of things. I remember my dad was training to do Molokai to Oahu as a team with one of his mates. And uh, I remember we'd drop him off for a downwinder and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, the surf's pumping. Let's, let's just go surfing. So he'd paddle back to wherever we were surfing and then he'd join us for a surf. And we'd just, you know, give it to him like, you know, you're wasting your time. we got all these barrels while you're paddling, blah, 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 blah. And never interested in it, into the race side of things and just more into the surfing side. And, you know, we got to the smaller stand-ups then too and, um, and then my girlfriend's brother started to get into the racing side of things. He didn't really grow up surfing. So he was like, Oh, I might just try the stand up thing. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you could do it. You'd be fine. So I thought I helped him out with a bit of, you know, just getting aboard and everything. And then he was doing really well in the race scene. And I was like, man, I like, I've been paddling for heaps longer than him. I should be able to, I should be all right with it. And then me and him had a really nice rivalry going at home and all the local races and, and uh, I met Toby Cracknell and JC Shimahara down at um, one of the legendary events in Australia, the Marimbula Classic. And we're doing um, basically just catching up surfing. And it was just like, it's basically like a free surf event. And everyone just hangs out and drinks beers and surfs and kites and does whatever. Now, now foiling's really big in it too down there. And we became mates and JC lives in Hawaii and he's like, Oh, you should come, come over to Hawaii and do the APP. Um, or it was called back then the stand up world tour sunset event. You know, you can just enter the trials and you can surf sunset. And it's pretty fun. So I went over that, got through the trials and so I was on the tour basically is the way that, or the, you know, Tristan was saying, Oh, you can come do yep. any event you want this year. And so, yeah, I was like, Oh, sweet. So I sort of ran with that and um, went to the event in Brazil, went to the event, I went to the event in Brazil and borrowed a race board off Casper. He had an inflatable board that he lent me <laughs> to do a race. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a crack. And I made the, I think I made the 
semis. I think I made the semifinals of the sprint event. And everyone's like, what the hell? You guys so good on the inflatable. I'm like, <clears throat> like it was funny because I'm like, oh, I'm just a surfer. You know, I wasn't even, wasn't, wasn't even caught. Cool. <laughs> Not claiming it at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't, wasn't calling myself a racer. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, the sprints are all right. And I did the distance, distance and got absolutely smoked because uh, obviously fitness wasn't there and um, the inflatable wasn't great for that sort of course. But, um, yeah, and I sort of went to the wave all event and just surfed and there was a, there was a race, but I wasn't staying around another week in, in um, Abu Dhabi for, you know, for a race. So I went home and I guess from there, I just sort of got kind of, kind of hooked and the racing side of things was, Oh, I went all right for, you know, a surfer and gotten more into the racing side of things. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess the rest is kind of history. I've just sort of followed that, the, the, the racing side of things, the fitness kind of thing. And, and the surfing is just something I've always loved. You know, it's just one of those things you go out, you go for a surf, you look at the conditions and, you know, you get the, you get the best out of it. And then from there, um, the foiling came along. Uh, when was it? It was probably three or two and a half, maybe three years ago now, October. Okay. Three or two October's ago in, in Maui when there was the, the, the Maui event for the, the stand-up world tour um, at Hukipa. Okay. I remember I was staying with the sisters and they were just getting, they were just sort of a few months into the foiling and they were foiling and they said, oh, you got you to try this sort of thing. And, and um, they introduced me to Alex Aguera and he lent um, Vinicius Martins and I a foil on the board to just sort of play around with while we we're there for the week. And uh, we loved it. We just like, we paddled out. We had, we had one board between the two of us and we'd just swap out and we were getting photos of each other. And it was just like, just a classic, just like learning a new sport together. And um, at the end of the week, I'm like, before I left, I'm like, Alex, I've got to buy one. Like, how do I get one off you? And um, he said, oh yeah, we can look after you. So, so, you know, discounted the price for me, but just, I bought my first foil and it got delivered back home in Australia in, I think it was, early December, late November. And I remember I got this foil and I was just frothing. Um, and I got a board earlier than that. Like, I think I ordered a board from, from JP at the time, just before that. And um, got into it on summer and just, man, it was just all I thought about, the foiling. It just, um, a guy in Australia is sort of coined the term um, foil brain, where it just... <laughs> Foiling overtakes everything. Like you don't, you, even if there's a good wave, you just you look past and you look at the inside. Like, you know, you see a barreling wave, and then the inside of it will just sort of reform into this fat burger. Oh, look at that foil wave! <laughs> you know, you just you know, you're looking at the, the the barrel at the surface. It's got you thinking. Look at that inside bit where I could just, you know, fly. And yep. um, so before we, this is about to get really fun. But before we before we go into the the more of a, a foil discussion here. There's going to be some folks who are coming over from the Paddleboo podcast, from the Progression Project podcast, who maybe don't know what foiling is. Why don't you give a recap, um, just a high-level overview about what foiling is and why surfers are finding it so addictive? I mean, when people when people latch on to it, it's, it's insane. The other, the other disclaimer that I should put in here right now is that there's going to be some folks who listened to Paddleboo shows a long time ago, or maybe even, I think I wrote an article on it too, where I wasn't very excited about foiling right at the beginning. I thought it was going to hurt a lot of people. I, um, I was out in Hawaii a couple years ago, and Dave Kalama was down, and he was telling me how rad it was. I should have listened to Dave back then. And then I was in Hawaii, and I was watching Kiahi do it. 
And we were actually staying right near where he was staying. And he let me hop on his board. And that literally was just like, yeah, you can take it for a spin. But I had no idea what I was doing whatsoever. And this was at um, Inside by Lani Akia by Himalayas, still about head high. And so I paddled in on a stand up to my first wave on a foil at about a head high peak and just got obliterated, like almost took my head off. And I was like, this this is not a good idea at all. This is going to hurt a lot of people in the lineups. And so I was actually a little negative on it for a little bit until I realized that I was, you know, absolutely the wrong way to learn. But I'll eat a little bit of crow on that. I'm sure I deserve it. But it's just too fun to uh, to stay away. Just, you know, you can change your mind. New new decision with new information. I always say that. So putting that out there. But but give an overview of what foiling is for everybody. And then we can jump into the, the fun part here. Yeah, so foiling or hydrofoil surfing is um, similar to like when you're paddling around, it's the same as surfing or, you know, stand paddleboarding. But when you get a wave or you get up to enough speed, you're basically surfing on a on a, a big fin, essentially, like, like an aeroplane wing. So you, you get up and you're surfing this basically, you know, 20 centimetre wing and it's frictionless surfing essentially you're you're still connected to the wave because you're basically you're actually connected to the deep part of the wave because the wing is in the water but once you're up and, and gliding it's um you know weightless yeah super long glide um you need a lot smaller waves to get going um and it's just probably one of the most addicting things um in the ocean i'd say <laughs> for uh, me i'm blown away uh, by how much fun the chemical cocktail uh, that I get from foiling a two foot beach break day. I mean, it's gotta be well overhead and pumping for me to get the same feeling now surfing. Uh, and I don't understand that exactly. I think it's because foiling is, I think a 3d or 4d sport. It's, it's one dimension higher than surfing where surfing essentially you're stuck to the plane of the wave. And so your mind doesn't have to, there's, there's another, there's another dimension that you have to navigate of oh, the height dimension yeah, like, and you're going faster. Like two dimension. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that extra dimension, you're going faster and um, just you, you, your brain explodes. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Crazy. It, it's it's insane. So so you you got the foil from Alex. It came back and then it just what happened? And then I just foiled every possible wave I could think of. Um, there's a there's a reef out of at the about you know 500 meters from from where I live, and I walk down there, and you know it's not a good, not a good surfing wave. On a standard paddleboard, you can you can kind of make it work, but it's pretty mellow. And then on a foil, it's just like, just it's crazy. It's perfect. You know, it's like this. It's this disjointed point break that doesn't really work. It's actually more of a left than it is a right. Like it should be a, a long right point break, but it's a series of rocks and like little slabs that that break back towards the reef, but on a foil, you can link, um, you can link this wave from, it's, it's basically a K and a half out to sea. So a, a mile, basically a mile long point, And you can oh link my. it on the right day on the foil. And it's, yeah, it's just like, it's almost more fun linking the wave than it is actually having this perfect foil wave. You know, you, instead of just doing turns, you're just trying to get to the next section and then you can enjoy that turn. And yeah, basically I just explored all these spots at home, you know, beach breaks, reef breaks, point breaks, um, everywhere and just sort of just explored where it was good for it, where it was bad for it. Found a lot of places that were really hard and just sort of, you know, steered clear of that for a while, then came back to it later on. And, you know, and at this point, right this is all. The right 
So, yeah, sorry. at this point, I was the only person. I think there was me and Jack Denson. We were the only two people in Australia foiling. Because and you're on a stand-up foil? Hawaii. Yeah, on a stand-up foil at this point. And then sort of towards the end of summer, I got a shortboard foil, a prone foil. And it was like learning all over again. You know, on a stand-up, it was... Uh, personally, I feel like a stand-up, if you already know how to stand-up paddleboard, it's going to be a lot easier to learn because you're already standing up, you're in, your feet are in the right spot, um, you're getting into the wave earlier, so that takeoff is a lot easier. Whereas on a short board, the takeoff is later. You've got to get to your feet, get your feet in the right spot, and it's just everything happens really quickly. So I remember when I first got the prone board, I was like, it was pretty much back to square one. And like for the takeoff, I just ate. I got obliterated, you know, lots of times. Wave that I was that super like fine on, super mellow on a stand up. On the, on the prone, I was just getting just mute. Just, I remember coming up and just, I was almost like concussions because you slap on the water so hard. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, you, you really, um, that's the thing with the fall because you're going so much faster that the wipeouts are heavy, especially at the beginning when you're learning. It's a really steep learning curve. But once you get beyond that, and it was about a week, a week of just, just eating shit, you know, just really get. <laughs> and then I figured out that, you know, maybe you don't always have to take off right on the peak. You can take off inside it or, you know, you can catch white water and from there you can kind of pump wherever you want. Um, and the smaller board was a lot of fun. And that was a bit of a revelation that, you know, a smaller, lighter board is going to go a long way. And that was, um, that was just as I joined Sonova. And they were super excited about the foiling, even though it hadn't really come to a thing, but I was telling them how good a thing it was. And they made a couple of boards for me. And um, yeah, the rest is history. Basically, we've been, you know, the, the boss of Sonova's foiling now over in Thailand and he, he's lost his brain. He's like, he's like, all he thinks about is foiling now. You have to try and, you know, reel him back in and um, get him to, to, you know, focus on the race boards and the surf ups too. But um, I know that that first six months of foiling, no matter who you talk to, um, the first six months is just pure addiction. You know, you don't think of anything else. And that's, yep. that's a, a guy over in WA proper, Benny Martin. He um, talks about foil brain and, you know, he's, he's in the depths of it. <laughs> foil brain, he just <laughs> lost his mind and only thinks about foiling. But since then, I've kind of, I feel like after the first six or seven months, you can kind of dial it back and get a little bit more balanced. But, yeah, the first bit is just pure, pure bliss of the foiling. Yeah. I just did uh, three weeks down in Osara, uh, hanging out with Chase and, and helping with a with a camp or two. And uh, I think I foiled all but three or four sessions. Um, you know, no, normally in three weeks you're surfing twice a day every day, and to only surf three or four sessions, it's just that's wild. If anyone would have told me that, there's yeah. no chance. I kind of did the same thing with stand up yeah. though too. When I found stand up and I had yeah. access to all these waves that no one had access to. It's all I did. And with stand-up, though, no one could see why. Like, let, 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 let me ask you this question. This is something I wanted to talk about. Um, stand-up never really caught on with the surfing world. And foiling has seemed to catch fire. What's the difference in the two sports? Because for me, I saw stand-up, and it, I was reluctant at the beginning. But then when I saw folks surfing shorter boards, and I was like, wait a second, I can have access to these waves and still surf at a pretty high level this seems like a no brainer to me. Like this is, this is amazing. Um, and then I went all in on standup. It was amazing. And then foiling, I see the same thing, but the surf world didn't see it in standup. They do see it in foiling. Why? I think a number of reasons. I think the first thing is, is 
the different waves you can explore. So you've seen like guys like John John and, and, and Kyle Lenny who have just like really pushed that um, you know open ocean swell idea, and people are super excited about that. It's like a new frontier of waves. I think the second thing is is the speed and 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 the, and the fact that you're above the water, like you're gliding. I think everyone sort of has this. I think all humans have this, you know, idea of flight. Uh, you know, it's such a cool thing. Um, so I think, you know, that's the second thing is the speed and, and the fact that you're basically flying above the waves. And I think the third thing is the fact that you can do it on a shortboard. You know, you're not actually, yeah. you can actually use a smaller board. So it's not this big, cumbersome, um, you know, as, as a shortboarder, yeah, I, totally. I, like there's no, why would you ride a eight-foot board when you could ride a six-foot board? You know, like you only ride a bigger board if the waves are bigger and you need to get into it earlier or if the waves are super small and you just want to basically cruise in a longboard. Um, I guess there's that performance factor that the foil adds as well. But, yeah, I just feel like it's – I think it's just it's just super – I think Kai did a really good job of marketing the sport in a way yep. um, and, and you know, getting John John involved and – you know, even you look at guys surfers nowadays. You know, they're, they're starting to do prone paddling to get fit, um, and I think that's just down to John John. You know, because he's doing that because his knee was stuffed. Um, but yeah, I think a combination of everything. I think you know, you, well, I remember when I first started foiling in Sydney, and no one else was doing it. I'd walk along the beach and I'd get a wave. Uh, like walking up and down to the beach was like people just stop me and say, well, "What is that? And how are you flying above the wave?" You know, it was just like like people that didn't even surf had nothing to do with surfing. People that yep. were just walking the beach and, you know, they didn't stop any surfers because they had another surfer. But they saw the foil and they looked at the fin like, wow, what is that? How does it work? And people are just, they think, it's, I think it's the flight factor and the, the flight and the speed and the surfing different parts of the wave. Um, and I think that's the difference. And that's why I remember I, one, of the, one of the people that stopped me was Nathan Hedge. I was surfing out at um, one of the spots at home and, he was surfing this inside section. I was foiling out the back and, you know, this guy's hooting and hollering me. I was actually on a stand-up paddle foil board. And, like, he was, like, usually on a stand-up, you know, those pro surfers are never not giving you much yeah. love. <laughs> yeah, not much love, just to say the least. But he's hooting and hollering. He's like, wow, that's epic, so sick. And um, this is coming from a guy who was on the, you know, the, the world tour. And it's like, oh, it's pretty cool. So I'd sat down and chat to him. And he's like, what is that? How does it work? Where do I get one? Blah, blah, blah. And um, I think it's, yeah, it's that flight, being above the wave and gliding. And, yeah, it's doing it, it, it's a no-brainer why it's, everyone's so excited about it. But even just from looking at it, um, I think it's unreal. And I think especially, I remember when I first came out and I was looking at, you know, videos versus photos, and photos would just never do it justice. Whereas no. if you saw a video of it, it was like, wow, that's amazing. So I remember I used to always try and get, you know, my girlfriend to, take a video of me while I was, you know, starting to learn so I could see, you know, the lines and stuff that I was taking. And then she'd take, sometimes she'd just take photos. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's not the same. Like, that doesn't capture it. So I feel like the, it, it's a combination of that light and the speed that you're, you're, you're traveling at. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, that's so. That's my take on it. Well, well I, I agree. The, I'm, I'm about six addicted weeks into foiling right now. Um, I'm to oh, the point where... You're in the, the peak of it. <laughs> oh, man, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, I'm to the point right now where I'm, you know, the last week that we were down there, I was connecting I was connecting waves for the first time, like, good. And, yeah. and that's just amazing. I mean, that the whole the whole idea of catching a couple waves, you know, on one ride, 
Um, that's mm. it's just it's just insane. Um, the funny part is talking about you know sup and 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 foiling. One of my best friends, kid I moved to Costa Rica with, he's and I grew up shortboarding together, and then I jumped into stand up, and he would never even consider it. I mean, it was just not cool enough for for him, you know, hardcore shortboarder, and. Now he's learning to foil and I'm learning on a standup and he's been learning prone and our learning curves are not similar. I mean, he's a good sh- shortboarder, but I'm able to catch so many, it's so much easier on a standup. I agree with you there that he's actually learning to stand up yeah. now so he can learn to stand up foil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's actually a guy at home here who's a, who's a surfer, but he also paddles a surf ski and he uh-huh. really wants to do the down foiling, but he, and he's, he's learned to foil basically on a, on a shortboard, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my surf ski buddy to pull me up on the foil so I can, you know, catch the bumps like you on your stand up." And I'm like, "Why don't you just learn to stand up paddleboard? Because then you don't need anyone, any assistance. You can just, you know, paddle onto the bump." And he's like, "No, no, no, no. It's too hard to learn to, to learn to stand up." And I'm like, "But you've just learned to foil. Like, stand up's a lot easier." He's like, "No, I'm gonna learn how to stand up." Blah blah blah. And um, yeah, I'm like, "Yeah, the, the, the stand up." opens up a lot of different ways and different locations and, and you know and downwind makes it a lot easier but yeah as you're saying that i agree the stand-up foiling is a lot easier to uh and it's interesting to hear your friends now learn to stand up just so you can foil <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um let's talk equipment for a little bit what size wings are you riding how do your wing sizes change for conditions for different board sizes and then we'll kind of jump from there into the difference in, you know, toe and prone. And we've already touched on the sub versus prone a little bit, but bring toe into that conversation yeah. too. But what wings are you on and how do you use them? Yeah. So I'm using the GoFall wings and, you know, starting off, I was just using the Kai because that's all there was. Um, since then the Eva um, has been awesome, especially for a stand up because the boards are a bit heavier. Yep. Um, so essentially I'll, I'll use the Kai as often as I can because it's, it, it turns better and you can do a tighter arc and higher speeds and whatnot. That's a pretty small um, wing, isn't it? Prone board. Yeah, I'm not sure the size off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, it is a pretty small wing. Um, but for a short board, you can get away with it. Generally for stand-up, for the same waves, I'll be using the Eva, um, just because okay. of the weight factor and, and, and the bigger board and, and all that. So um, yeah, essentially the Kai and the Eva are my go-to wings. Um, for stand up and, and prone, and what then length mast? I've just got this. Uh, oh. What length mast? For, for surfing, I'm using a 28 and a half. Okay. Um, and then for like I, I'm doing a lot of the downwind foiling too, and for that I like a longer mast. Um, I've actually found a little bit for surfing, a little bit of flex is actually a, a good thing for surfing, like because a really stiff mast to me, and, and like I guess this is the 29 and a half for me. From the go for master have is a lot stiffer than the twenty eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, the stiffer mast is more, basically more direct, and you get less of that. Like if you go for like a big roundhouse cut back on your foil, um, if, if you don't, if you're not completely over the foil, you're gonna you're basically gonna come off a lot easier. Um, on the shorter flexier mast, you can sort of get a little bit of twist and flex, and, and it, it kind of I guess if you're not completely over the foil, you can still sort of wrap it around so I, I like a flexier mask for the surfing I, I guess shorter and flexier for surfing and then for um uh, yeah for, i guess as i was saying for the downwind which is another thing i like a stiffer mask it's more direction not doing these radical turns um but 
Yeah, so, so yeah, 28 and a half inch and yeah, 29 and a half for the, for the other sort of downwind factor. But um, yes, yeah, th- th- it's amazing how different, how different masks make so much of a difference. But yeah, the, the Kai for, you know, basically I'm using it for, for, for waves from two foot up to you know, maybe four foot and then... The Kai um, wing? Yeah, the Kai wing. And then uh-huh. for the stand-up, I'll be using the Eva sort of up to, you know, three or four foot waves. And sort of when I go out, I'll sort of decide what it is I'm going to be doing. So if I think it's looking like a pretty nice long wave and you're just going to be doing turns and you're not really going to bother with pumping back out, um, I'll use definitely go with the Kai. Whereas if it looks a little, a little bit more mellow and like the wave isn't that long, then I'll take out the Eva wing so I can basically like just the glide. You get a lot more glide out of the bigger wings. Yep. You'll be able to pump back out a lot easier on, on that one. And yeah, depending on conditions, I'll just go out and you sort of focus on one thing. You know, so if you know if you use a bigger wing, you're going to be linking a lot more waves and probably not focusing on your turns as much. And if it's looking like a perfect setup, I'll use the smaller the kite wing, and think and, and basically try and you know really work on turns and hitting the white water and you know trying to trying to surf a bit more basically. So you basically go out thinking, okay, am I going to link and sort of just get a lot of flight time, or am I going to surf surf for this wing today? And that's one of the things I think um, learning. I think you know, you're better off starting with a smaller wing and just getting the glide. And then once you get to a certain level, it's, it's, it's fun to play around with linking. And then you can basically get to a bigger wing and go to link waves. And then after that, I like to go back. Basically, what I did is I went back to a smaller wing and worked on, you know, critical turns that are more like surfing. Um, and, yeah, for since, since that sort of original stage, I've, I've done a lot more toe foiling in, in recent months. And that's... That's another another thing. You know, we pretty much the biggest wing we'll ever use for the toe foiling is, is the Kai. Okay. And if it gets, you know, over three or four foot, we'll use the Nalu, which is the smaller wing. And that's kind of you know, when you're getting whipped in, you don't really have to worry so much about getting your speed up to a certain level. So, you know, you can basically get away with the Nalu and, you know, three to four foot surf. Whereas if you're paddling in, you'd probably be using the Kai because you need to generate your speed, get it up to a certain level. Um Interesting. Uh, I, I have a buddy who yeah. rides an e-foil a whole lot, and he's able to, even on that, ride a smaller wing than I'm able to paddle in. But it, it's just about that entrance velocity, I guess, huh? Exactly, because once you get to that, even on a wave, once you get to that speed, you, you're pretty much sweet. But it's it's you need to get your your speed up to that point so the foil's working at you know optimum velocity, I guess. Yep. Uh, and before that, it kind of feels a bit, you know, a bit dragging. You're just trying to pump and get it to speed. And, but, you know, with, with the, by getting your speed up before you even get into the wave, uh, you're really, you know, making the most of the wave and making the most of the, the swell. And um, you can really kind of push the limits a bit harder um, because you don't have to worry so much about the takeoff and get your speed up. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we, uh, I'm really excited about the toe, toe foiling. I, I can't wait to get into that. You know, we've got some plans to do that on the northeast coast, northeast uh, U.S. over here. Um, coming up in the next couple of months as it warms up a little bit. How, how does yeah, that and, feel? And the, whipping the, the in. The beauty of it is you don't need that the wave. Yeah. Yeah. So are you guys mostly offshore in, in waves that aren't even breaking? How do you approach toe? Kind of give me a download on that. Yeah. So. Yeah, so for the toe, we basically there's a spot at home that's just it's just a reef break that, as I was saying earlier, that isn't really that good a wave. But if you're you know 
foiling it becomes a much better wave. And when you're towing foiling, it basically makes it even better. Uh, yeah, we're not hitting beach breaks or anything like that. Um, just sort of outer reef breaks that no one else is really looking at, basically. So we're trying, mm-hmm. you know, we're not trying to buzz around people because basically a jet ski in any water is pretty obnoxious. Yep. Um, so we're really trying to, you know, stay away from the crowds, but, you know, make the most of the little reef breaks. So there's sort of three or four options just, just near the, the boat ramp at home that work really well. And um, another spot just sort of 20 k's away that will sometimes drive drive a ski to and put, put it in. And But, you know, if there's, if there's ever people in the water, we always steer well clear of them. But, yeah, basically what we're looking for is sometimes the wave isn't even breaking. But it, it, is, it is a surf spot. It is, a, it is like a a breaking, like a, a capping wave. Um, but sometimes the swell won't even actually break and you're just riding these shallow water lumps, essentially. Um, and, yeah, you just... It's like snowboarding, just full yeah. power, just big calves, and oh, it's crazy how much fun it is. Uh, For folks who haven't kind of foiled before, talk about what that what it feels like to do one of those big carves on a foil because I was blown away when I started putting together some turns, even like a two foot wave, what that felt like. It's like, it's like a full, it's like, imagine skateboarding down a hill and just like holding a rail for so long and sort of no, you're actually accelerating out of the turn and you just hold it, hold it, hold it going all the way around and you switch rails and you do the same thing on the other side. And it's like, like a big back bowl, waist deep powder and just full speed like it's it's um it's hard to explain but it's like imagine the perfect day surfing and you come out of you you come out of a tube and you just lay it on rail and you're just wrapping it all the way around and just no catching just everything works perfectly like a knife through butter and it's just one of those turns is like oh that was insane almost every turn on a foil is like that i feel like yeah it's just yeah. I feel like yeah. every big frontside turn I do on a foil feels like I'm surfing like Rincon at, you know, four feet overhead or something. And, and you look at the, you see a picture or a video of the wave and it's like a one foot wave and the feeling yeah, that you get. Not, though, yeah. Not even breaking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. It's just like, it's just wild. It's, um, it just, it just makes the surf feel so much better basically. Yeah. yeah. What factor better do you think it does? I think it's the speed and, and, and the lack of chop. So it's so it, it even when like I prefer onshore conditions than offshore conditions foiling just because the surface doesn't matter, but the wind up like the wind up into you slows you down for foiling. Mm-hmm. Like you know you're up higher. So I, I like onshore conditions better than off like a stiff offshore. I prefer a stiff onshore than a stiff offshore, just because you can keep your speed better, and you just you know sort of gliding between all those turns. But the, the, the wave surface, like, well, it does make a little bit of a difference. You know, like a, a super glassy day is a lot nicer. You know, 20 knots onshore isn't that bad. <laughs> so it's, yeah, you can just sort of, it's, it's that smooth lack of chop, lack of friction that is just, yeah, you're gliding through it and it's, yeah, too much, too much fun. Yeah. Um, let's get technical on some technique here. We were just talking about turns. How do you approach a foiling turn versus a shortboard turn? I think most folks will be coming from shortboarding here, so use that. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. body position, everything's 
took me a while to learn. I almost feel like there's a lot more similarities. You just mentioned uh, riding deep powder. I've been doing a lot of snowboarding this year. Foiling feels more to me like riding deep powder than any other sport, except that instead of powder's a back foot game, foiling's a front foot game. Um, but otherwise, yeah. it's a very similar feeling, um, the speed and yeah. yeah, the float. Yeah, so I've, I've always been a very much a front foot surfacer for me. The, the, the turns are, you know, you have to tweak it a little bit, just sort of transferring that weight over your front foot. And then you, you can still get, use a little bit of back foot, um, but too much back foot and you're going to, you know, you're going to breach, you're going to pop out. But yeah, it's, you've really got to keep your core and, and, and basically your whole body over the top of the foil. If you lean back too much, it's basically game over. So, you know, as I approach a turn, um, especially, you know, especially when you're towing in, like say you tow into a good, nice size wave and sometimes I'll actually bleed speed. So like I'll, before I do a big turn, I'll actually, like a big bottom turn, I'll straighten out on the wave and almost get in front of it. And then once I'm in front of it, I basically can crank a turn and like you have a little bit of time before you really get into the back into the wave zone and you, you know, over your, over your front foot, your core, like you talk about like you want to basically straight up and down, you want to keep the, the, Basically, your, your body needs to be an extension of the mask straight up and through to your head. You want to try and keep that and then lean a little bit forward. And then basically from there, you can almost do the same turn as if you were surfing as long as you keep that weight forward and driving through that front foot. And then when you lay it back into like sort of a, you know, cut back and get into a backside turn, you kind of, you, you've got to rotate, same as you would for surfing, but yeah, you've just got to keep that core and yet, like, head to the wingtips have got to be straight up and down. And any time you break that connection, it's kind of, you're almost guaranteed to breach and sort of big nose dive or face flap or it, it all comes <laughs> undone pretty quick. And, you know, speed factors and other things. So going into a turn, I won't, you don't want to be maxed out before you go into a turn. So a lot of the times, you know, people say, oh, you know, do you ever turn those foils? And if you're racing a section all the time, you're always powered up. So if you're over, you know, you're overpowered, you're using too big a wing, you're going to be turning a lot less. So I prefer to be underpowered, which I guess is why I'm using the Kai a lot more. I prefer to be underpowered and be able to crank a harder turn and create speed through the turn rather than be overpowered before I even do a turn. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that does make sense. There's two, two thoughts I have there. Number one, something yeah. that really surprised me in trying to map surfing, snowboarding into into foiling is how you have to match your board to the face of the wave. So when you're coming kind of, you know, like doing a down carve, right? A pretty simple turn in surfing. There's this whole other dynamic yeah. of having to, it almost like you're dropping into a ramp while you do it to yeah. where you're, you're, like a skateboard you're ramp. exactly. Yeah. And once I kind of put the whole skate mentality into how you have to do that turn, it was a lot easier for me. Um, yeah. And so that dynamic was different and how much weight you had to get on your front foot to initiate the turn or else you breach. And then the second is yeah. it, it is very interesting. The first couple of times you do it to where you're accelerating. I was wearing a GPS watch through uh, a bunch of sessions I did. And a lot of my fastest uh, ping speeds on waves were right in the middle or at the end of turns, three, four miles an hour faster than cruising down the line a second before. So you really are accelerating through a turn, which feels really weird. Like yeah. like the G's you start feeling, even in like a little turn, the way the board's pushing back up on you, you're not ready for it at the beginning coming from surfing because you don't have that same feeling in surfing. 
no, yeah, you, you really, really accelerate out of a turn. And that's, I guess that's why I say before I do a turn, I'll actually try and bleed a little bit of speed. I'll, I'll straighten out and try and get away from the power source. And then from there, you can kind of accelerate into that turn because if you're already maxed out and, you know, flying down the line, you go to do a turn, you know, you basically just, there's a high probability that you're going to, you're going to breach. So you almost kind of, they say you're screaming down the line in a wave and you, it's sort of like when you're setting up for a, for, a, you know, bottom turn, top turn combination on a, like a long point break, you're screaming down the line and then you sort of slow down, you try and match the speed of the wave and you sort of, sort of like down carve and get out in front of the wave and then you initiate your bottom turn to try and basically you're just trying to slow down. Like you watch, you watch the pro guy, the pro surfers surf J Bay and they'll slide down the line or even, you know, somewhere like Bell's. And they'll actually straighten out and sort of find the speed of the wave and, and then they'll do their turn. And that's what I'm trying to do on the foil too is I'm, you know, you, you're trying to make the section. Once you've made that section, you're actually trying to slow yourself down and almost get out in front of the wave and then initiate the turn. Because if you try and turn when you're flying down the line, you, you just, yeah, too much speed essentially, unless you're on a really, really tiny foil. It's really hard to match, to, to, to hold onto that board. And, and, and yeah, just like the G's, <laughs> just like, feel like your face is going to like you're skydiving, you know, you're just flying, you're going so quick, you know, like 30, 35 Ks an hour, 40 Ks an hour. Like the fastest I've been on a foil was a little beach track and it was like 50 something, 51 50 or 52 something. Ks an hour, which was, you know, assisted two or paddling in. and it was just maxed out, just turns and those G's that you can basically create coming out of a turn, like you were saying, but it all, to me, it's all, you've got to harness it in the right way because you're very easily overdone. Um, is, is the way I, I guess, talk about it. Yeah. For, I'm still on that point where things surprise me all the time. I'm, I'm always surprised by how fast I can fall. You know, everything seems <laughs> like it's going swimmingly well. And then all of a sudden you're falling off of a, off of a little ledge, smashing the water pretty hard. Yeah. Just praying that your foil's not going to hit yeah. you. Um, you yeah. Have any one of the things you said like, where you're saying like your board has to match the, the face of the wave. That, that's such a good way to talk about it. Because when you're dropping in, you know, your, your natural reaction coming from a short board or, you know, surfing um, background is a steep takeoff. You want to lean back yeah. and leaning back is the absolute worst thing you can do on a foil because it just shoots you out, especially on a steep section. You've got to really lean forward and follow that sort of section. And like you're dropping into a skate ramp. And then once you get out the front of the wave, it's, you know, it's not so much of an issue because it's flatter. But then when you get back into the, basically when you're going up and sort of at like doing a top turn sort of on, on the foil, you've got to basically have your board going up and when you turn and then come back down, you've got to, like it's, it's forever um, changing that positioning of your board and, you know, on a surfboard because your board is on the water, the board does it automatically. But with a foil, because you're under the water and the board is so, so much further above the water, if you don't match that wave face, you're going to get, you're going to come unstuck basically really quickly. And like you said, like it, you're surprised at how quickly you become unstuck. And yeah, it is because you're always, you know, that, that wing is just under the water and, and like basically half a second of the wrong foil angle. And you, because you're going so fast, you're going to shoot that foil's going to shoot out of the water. And from there, it's almost impossible to, to hold on to, especially when you're on a shorter board. Yeah. Um, so at the beginning, we were talking about why, foiling is so addictive and, and here are some of my thoughts so i'm a big believer in there are sports that get you closer as kotler or uh me high chicks and me high would say that get you closer to the flow state 
I don't necessarily agree with the term flow state in how it correlates to everything that they put on it. Um, dance, trance states, all these other things, art, but it does relate to the sports that we do. And so there's this idea of flow multipliers. And so if you think about if you're surfing and you're surfing on a longboard in a mushy one foot wave, um, there's not a whole lot of flow multiplic multiplication going on there with um, intensifying the situation. If you think about wingsuit jumping and you think about, you know, proximity flying with a wingsuit, there's a whole lot of things happening there. Consequence, proximity, speed, danger that are all upping the uh, intensity of that moment. And some of this is from Rises Superman, which is a Kotler book. If you haven't read it, you should read it. Um, foiling uh, is the deepest flow states that I have found outside of uh, racing carts where you're in like a really tight situation with lots of people. You could be, you know, five, 10 minutes where you're fully deeply immersed. You really don't know what's going on. In surfing, you get it. Definitely barrels, big barrels are probably the most intense situation you can have, but it's so fleeting. So you only get to really drop in for, you know, three, four seconds if you're lucky in a big barrel, but it's that, you know, that, that very intense, uh, immersive feeling, but in foiling, because you're playing with the 4d or 3d, however you want to call it, um, world of having to adjust flight along with this dynamic environment. Surfing is probably the most dynamic environment that you can be in already. You know, there's so much going on in the ocean, it's water. Um, no wave is ever the same. So there's no way to actually deliberately practice on, on a wave. So you take that amount of dynamism and then you put that uh, foiling and having to control height and having more speed on top of that. And I think that's why people are freaking out and why brains are exploding is because I don't know of anything else that is that deep of an experience uh, or like a mental adrenaline chess game that you can play. And I think that's where the hook comes in. Does that resonate? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, you need this such high level of, uh, uh, what is it? Um, you need to be so connected to it. Um, so yeah. switched on, you yeah. know, you can't, as soon as you relax, like so many people say, as soon as I relax, like, I was going along this wave and I was so relaxed. And then all of a sudden I fell off, you know, you've got to be so focused. On, on what's going on is you know, you're trimming your height, your, your speed. Um, you know, you're looking at the wave, you're looking at the, the, the little, the little reverb coming off the reef. You're looking at, you know, all these little different things and you've got to be like a focus, I guess to me is it. And like, you've got to be so tuned in to your equipment and what the wave is doing. Otherwise you're going to crash. <laughs> yep. Basically. Yeah. And, 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 this, and when you are tuned in and it's all working, yeah, you just like everything is clicking and it. it's like knife through butter and you're just linking these turns and everything's great. And then as soon as you think, oh, that, like, you know, you relax a little and you look, you're looking across, maybe you're looking back at the wave you want to link to so many times, you, you know, when you take your focus on exactly what it is you're doing in that moment, that's when you crash. Yep. And um, I think that's a really, it, it's kind of, it's, it's really quite refreshing because you have to, you, you're living in the moment. And that's what I think what you talk about flow state is your, Nothing else matters at that point in time. You're just focusing on what you're doing because that's all that matters at the time. And if you take your focus off it, you're going to lose that feeling, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, in, in the trail, it's all everything switched on. Um, and when you're foiling along in a wave and, you know, say it's a really sort of sucky wave and you don't, you don't want to fall off on the foil, 
and you just you know everything all, every single tent like you feel the energy all the way to your fingertips and, and you know everything's just switched on and you you know I remember watching um and Tommy Carroll talks about it he's, he's one of the guys we're foiling with so in foiling with and you know he talks about his first way that pipe where he was getting this barrel and all the energy like, everything's like so turned on and switched on and you know his fingers are just like you know tense as because everything else is as well so with the foiling it's like that as well because you just if you're not like that and you, your core isn't switched on and you're not over the foil and you're not looking at what's going on everything goes to shit you know and you're gonna, you're gonna face a big slap down yeah. um i think yeah and living in that moment 100 percent, and just everything being switched on and focused on what's happening right now is you know that's what's so addicting yeah the uh there's a couple of different ways we could go here um my son is love surfing he's foiling and actually he's he's gotten pretty good at foiling pretty quickly which is which is cool he's such his brain's like rubber he learns stuff so fast right now skates and snowboards and we've been snowboarding a lot this winter and we got really into doing trees and he was talking about how snowboarding trees puts him and it's like that same state that we're talking about but it puts him yep. in video game mode and he says like it yep. just feels like he's in this video game and then at the bottom when we come out of the trees he's like oh we're here now um and yep. he actually he actually wrote this uh this piece not too long ago about how he thinks that he has two brains and that when he's doing really awesome stuff he gets to one of his brains turns off and he gets to work with his other brain that's more fun <laughs> it's pretty cool <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a, and that's that's a great way. Like, so I, when I go to the snow, it's same thing. I'm always um, looking for those trees, and they're sort of gnarly situations where you put yourself in a little bit of danger, but you, you sort of thrive on that, and that's it's the adrenaline. You know, same as right. like surfing a, you know, a slabby wave or foiling a, you know, foiling a, you know, shitty fat wave. But you just, <laughs> it's just like it's, it's, it's this factor that you have to be so. Um, tuned in with what's going on, and if you if you make a mistake, you know, in snowboarding between trees, you're going to crash into a tree, and that's not good. And right. same with like surfing. A, if you if you make a mistake, you're going to get dragged in over the rocks. Or if you make a mistake in the foiling, you're going to just have this big slap down. And it's it's, it's the risk reward factor, I think, as well. You know, yeah. being on the foil, you're up high. It's like it's it's almost the same as falling off on your water skiing. You know, you, you go on these speeds that just like they hurt when you fall off, and and it really rattles you. Where, and, and same with, you know, the surfing in a heavy situation and, and, and the foiling just allows you to be in that situation more often because, you know, like you said, like a, a one foot, like non-breaking beach break on the right wing is, is like snowboarding between trees. It's yep. like taking off on a big stubby way and pulling into a tube. And it's just, I think that's, that's the beauty of it. And I think that's, but I think that's also why I kind of like, I say that first, um, six months is just foil brain. You're just losing your shit because you're doing it all the time and it's so new. And I feel like it does wear out over time. Um, like the froth levels, it's like your brain calibrates, re recalibrates to it begins to accept that as normal again. And then you do kind of get this factor where you need to, you know, do other things and, and find heavier situations. But that first six months is just crazy crazy fun <laughs> addicting <laughs> and you just lose it yeah um so you broke down the turning breakdown pumping 
pumping, yes. This is this is one that because I'm loving the downwind the downwind following at the moment. The pumping I've really tried to hone in on. There's a local crew that are trying to get into the downwind stuff too, and so yeah, the pumping's super um, important. And I think a lot of people when they pump, well, the first thing is before you can even pump, you need to be getting up to a certain speed. And so you know, people always ask, how do you pump out to get to the next wave? And I guess the most important thing to think about with that is before you even think about going to the next wave, you need to have your, like I said, spoke about earlier, you need your foil to be up to that, you know, optimal speed. And once you're at that speed, that momentum is what carries you on with the pump. Your pumping motion just sort of helps you carry that momentum. So I can pump a lot further with a stand-up, not because the stand-up's easier. A stand-up's actually harder to pump, but because I have a paddle, I can continue that forward momentum. On a short ball, I can keep my speed for longer, and it's easy, actually easy to pump. But if you don't have a paddle, you can't generate any other forward momentum if there's no waves going on. Um, so the first thing is get to get into that that optimal speed, and once you start the pump, go slower than you think you need to, and it's about kind of lift. It's pushing down and then unweighting, pushing down with your front foot, and then basically kicking it up with your back foot. But as you do that, you're unweighting, so it's a uh, a lot of people I see that pump they actually pump too fast. So it's like a short and sharp pump, 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 pump. But I actually want to think like it, dep- it, it depends on the wing you're using. But um, I find with the go fall, if you push down and then unweight and lift up, you're going to feel a lot of glide when you unweight. And then when you push down again, that's you basically trying to create more speed. You're going downhill, dropping into that ramp, and then you're lifting up again and really light. And you want to make the most of that light feeling for as long as you can, and then push down again. And people talk about like positioning of your feet and all this sort of stuff. And, and I find when I first talked about the pumping, I, I thought I was moving further back on my board when I was pumping. But in reality, I'm actually moving a little bit further forward because I want to keep that forward momentum. Only when you're really at the last sort of legs of your pumping, do I shift my back foot a little closer over or even behind the mask to get that little bit more lift. But then if you're going to that sort of level, you're going to need a wave or a, or a paddle stroke or something to um, get your forward momentum up again. Because if you go too far back, you're not getting, you're losing that forward momentum. You're going up rather than forwards. Uh, so it's obviously a lot that goes into it. And I'm, I'm talking pumping between waves or, or flat water or, or downwind. Um, whereas pumping on the wave, you're just trying to, up and down, up and down to try and get to that optimal speed. Once you're on that optimal speed, um, you don't actually have to pump as much as you think you do on a wave. And same with downwind and or everything. I think generally people pump too much and they don't get in tune with that glide and, and, and the wing and the speed. So the more you get in tune with it and the more you wait and sort of wait and feel the feedback of it, you're going to get a more efficient pump and you're going to basically get more glide and have to paddle less or have to pump less. Um, so, yeah, that, that's sort of my take on the pumping. So, so let me let me ask you a couple things here. Um, in my yeah. experience, and I'm still in the very beginning yeah. phases of this of my obsessive compulsive dive. Um, there, I can have two waves that are seemingly identical, and the way I'm kicking out over, you know, kind of over the shoulder. There seems to be if I miss something or if I make something there, there's some energy on the back of the wave or some height in which I need to kick out. If I link that up properly, 
pumping and speed out the back is really easy. It feels like I'm almost getting a boost kicking out. There are other times though, when I'm yep. kicking out, going to pump and it just feels like I'm losing all of my momentum and I'm, it's just like, and, and I, and you know, I get it like five or six pumps and I just fall out. But seemingly if you watched it on video, I'm, I'm not seeing what the difference is. Like, have, have you, yeah. is that, have you felt that? What is that? Yeah, I do feel like, and, and, I, and I think it's all about the exit of the wave. So if, if you're coming off the wave with not enough speed or you're, not, or you're coming off the wave and there's kind of a steeper section, like, you, you know, if you pull off and it's a you know, big fat, like the waves run out and you're pulling off and you're fully, you know, you've got that top speed running, it's going to be easy. Whereas if it's like a wave that's closing out and you have to sort of pull off the back and get up and over that, you know, that, that, that peak, it's going to be a lot harder and harder to keep that momentum. But yeah, I also think, you know, rips, um, currents, and even the depth of the water can make a big difference. So I was chatting to a mate, and it's, I think it's actually, or I do, I know, it's from what I've felt, is it's easier to pump in shallower water, which huh. to me sort of messed with me, but go try it. If you pump in shallow, like pumping back out, instead of pumping out through the rip, pump out up over, like over the, I'm, I'm talking sand, beach breaks. Yep. You pump out over like a shallow beach break, you're gonna get, you're gonna hold your momentum better. I don't know why it is, but my, one of my friends said, mentioned it to me. I'm like, you know what? That's exactly what I felt, and he was feeling the same thing. Um, so pumping back out over a shallower water, obviously, if you don't touch the bottom, if your foil isn't hitting the bottom, you're actually gonna keep your speed up for longer, for whatever reason. I'm not sure what it is. And then also pumping back out. You know, with the current is a lot easier than against the current, um, which to me I wasn't completely sure of, but it's just a momentum thing. So if you're going with it, you're going to be able to keep your momentum better. At, at, but at first, I thought going against the you know against the current would give me more lift because the wings going into like it's going to sort of create like, for example, downwinding at Hood River. You'd think it'd be um, easy to get up and going but it's not um, because the water rushing against you, it's just harder to get up. Even though water against you should create more lift on the wing. In, in my mind, it, like that's how I think it's like a plane always takes off into the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's easier to create that, you know, it's straight. And, but on the foil, I feel like it's such a momentum thing. If you've got everything going with you, you're going to be able to keep your pump and you're going to be going for longer. Um, so all these little like shallow water with the current, um, easy, you know, coming off the wave with a nice easy exit. Um, all these things I think make it there the difference. Um, the, you know, and yeah, like we said, it's, yeah, it's 4D. There's so many things going on that um, all these tiny little bits do make a difference. And if you're not coming off the wave with your you know, that optimal sort of max speed is going to be a lot harder. Um, if you're, if it's a hard exit off the wave because of the wave's closing out, it's going to be a lot harder. If you're pump, if you're pulling off and you're going into deep water, it's going to be harder. If you're pulling off into shallow water, it's going to be easier, I feel. And I'll be interested to see what, or maybe you play around with that and let me know what you think, but that's, that's what I've found. Um, that yeah, makes sense. Uh, I mean, say, yeah. Chase and I are connecting yeah, a lot more waves at a beach break than we are at a reef break that we surf. And the reef break is pretty deep. Um, yeah. Using the same things, you know, 
what about uh, let's, let's talk foot position, foot movement. I mean, that's one of the things yeah. that, man, if, yeah. if you miss your back foot placement, my front foot. So I've been stand up foiling most of the time and I pretty much just glue my front foot to a spot and then I move my back foot a little bit. But yeah. if I miss foot yeah. position by more than a half an inch, it usually ends very badly. Usually I don't see it yeah. coming and the foil kind of flips out of the water. I go to do some turn and it, uh, it goes the wrong way on me. Um, you know, I move my back foot a little bit now, uh, between riding and pumping, I bring it up, you know, a, a little bit, yeah, but, uh, but yeah. otherwise I'm pretty much just glued to the board. I mean, that's a good argument possibly for straps. Have you played around with straps? How do you approach foot movement? Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So I've played around a little bit with straps and, and I 90, I'd say 90% of the time I've done without straps and I've just sort of messed around a little bit with straps and, and foot positioning is almost less important with straps because you can lift up more because the, the strap is holding your foot in. Uh, but there's, I, I still think, or personally, I, I like the movement, being able to move. And the only benefit I see from straps really is in those really critical situations, um, you can get a bit more um, aggressive, I guess. So instead of... Um, and you don't have to move your feet as much because, or one well, because you can't because you're strapped in. But like, say I'm foiling a wave and it starts off really steep, I'm going to sort of edge forwards because you know getting my weight forwards is going to stop the board from um, the, the, the foil from breaching. And then when it gets to the, the bit more of a mellow section, I'm going to get back and get a bit more aggressive and get over the foil and and really whip it, like sort of turn it around more. So um, yeah, I'm going to get back and then if I'm pumping. I'm going to move my front, my, my, my back foot a little bit forward to get that, just to keep that momentum going forwards is the way I see it. And then I'm really running out of speed. I'm going to move my back foot back just to get that lift, just to take me to that next bump or that next little wave or, or whatever it is to keep me, keep me going. And a lot of the times, if you're moving your foot back at the end of a pump, it generally means you're either going to come down off, off the glide or you've got a few seconds to find a bump to link. Um, but yeah, straps is definitely a good thing to explore, um, especially for those heavier sections. Um, and like doing aerials, for example, there's a few guys in the show doing airs without straps, which is pretty cool. Matt Levings is ripping wow. kind of undergrounded, um, like proper airs, kind of chop hoppy airs, but like he's doing it without straps and it's, super sick um i'm not as skilled as him <laughs> i've tried a couple but normally they just end up with a big flyaway so i've just <laughs> played around straps and you know it's easy to do airs and blow tail turns with straps on because you're so connected to the board that it's um i don't know it's yeah. like you know more yeah it's just like snowboarding like anyone can do an air in a snowboard you go right. like a jump and you you know, it's not always pretty, but you can do it. <laughs> right. doesn't always end good. Um, yeah. That's something that's been interesting for me is, is I've started to do some, some kind of wraparound turns into the pocket and, you know, from shortboarding or stand up, you know, you're going to kind of hit that section coming in and mm-hmm. I'm still a little bit unsure of what to do as I'm coming back to the pocket going pretty fast. What I've found is I try to get as low as I can in flight for when I'm kind of hitting the white water to keep my wing deep. And then I'm kind of keeping mm-hmm. the board down as much as I possibly can. Like I'm dropping into a wave 
too late and then basically again, coming yeah, back up on flight after I'm back into the flats again. That's that's the best I'm doing right now. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how else to do that. Yeah, so the first few like sort of wraparounds I did, I'd like basically do the turn and I got to the white water, I'd basically do the reentry on the white water with my board. Uh-huh. And then as you progress you you, you can't it's a bit sketchy because, you know, the wings in white water it's like like a plane through turbulence. You know, you, all those little pockets, air pockets, you like drop through. So, you know, you watch something like Austin Kalama, like when he does a big, big turn, like a big like tail waft or, you know, hits the white water, he's almost always using straps because you can kind of push and you're, you're always locked in. Um, and you've got that sort of, you know, you, you, you know, you can, your foot is locked onto the board so you can push up and down. Um, without it, you, you just kind of have to get, a, you have to be a little bit less aggressive, I guess, and be a bit more over the board and be really connected. Like I said earlier, connected with that mast. So like you're from the mast up through your, through your, like three feet to your core all has to be turned on. Just one of those really critical moments where a little movement, you just have to be able to react like super quick because if you don't react then you're going to get basically bucked off. Um, that's what I've felt too. I mean, it's a sketchy situation. I actually had my first couple of days foiling, I prone foiled and I was getting up and kind of getting some flights. And then I got a little bit, I was like, I, I kind of got this. It's not that bad. And it was like a one foot day and I was wearing a helmet. Thank goodness. And I, I popped up, had a little flight, I don't know, three, four seconds. There was a little section coming at me and instincts just took over. I was like, oh, I'll hit that section. And as I went to do it, yeah. Literally, the wing just shot right at my head, and the wing smashed me right in the middle of the helmet, square in my forehead, and it scared the shit oh. out of me. And um, so yeah. it, it was good because it gave me a healthy respect for you know how dangerous foiling can be, um, and that's how fast that happens. Yeah. So I've been really scared to hit sections after that. Like I, I'm hitting it with you know baby gloves on for sure. You uh, yeah. And actually, one of the worst injuries I've had with the foil is um, it was a really pretty mellow beach break day, but sort of two to three foot, and I was using a, like a prone foil with the evil wing, so a little bit bigger wing. So I was pumping out a lot and sort of linking lots of sections. I was really focusing on the turn. As I pumped out, I'd do it, like I'd really work on my turn out the back and wrapping back into it. And um, on this one section, I'd lined up perfectly. I was stoked, like, you know, aiming, like eyeing it off and did this turn. And as I turned, a backwash hit me at the same time. So if you can imagine, like, I'm doing, like, laying it over. So I'm kind of, you know, 45 degrees, and I'm wrapping it in, like a cut back off this wave coming at me. And as the backwash hit me, it flung my body forward towards the foil. And my my board's still doing the turn, still going through the motions. And it, the backwash threw me forward, and I'm, like, flying towards the wing. Like, as, and it's still turning, and I actually hit my chin with the top of the wing, not actually the leading edge, but like the top part of the wing. Oh, and man. I, it was like getting punched in the jaw. And I just like, you know, two or three stitches just, just where the space, he just split me, split me out, split my chin open. And uh, yeah, like, like sort of, you know, seeing stars kind of thing, like rattles, you know, you just, and you know, if I was wearing a helmet, it wouldn't have even helped because it hit me like, underneath my chin, you know? So I would have had to be wearing like a, like a motocross helmet to, to stop it from <laughs> happening kind of. But, um, yeah, I think like backwash is a scary thing in foiling, um, for sure. But um, that's just one of those things. Like a few things went wrong. One, the surf was a little bit big for the wing I was using, 
two, the backwash, and three, I was probably being a little bit aggressive with based on the setup I was using on the conditions. So like there's some of the things you kind of, you don't want out to, to try and do those turns and um, didn't anticipate the backwash um, at, at that moment anyway. So like, yeah, it all comes unstuck pretty quick and yeah, sometimes there's not a lot you can do even safety wise that would have helped. Right. And um, there's so much force and lift yeah. on the wing as soon as your weight, I mean, I weigh a buck 90, I'm holding down the foil with 190 pounds. It's a lot of force pushing up. Um, so as soon as I am unweighted from the board foil combo, that's coming up at 190 pounds of force. It, it happens quick when yeah. it happens, you know, and that's a good segue into Absolutely. kind of the growth of the sport. Who's adopting right now and where you see that going. How do you see, foiling's place within surfing its overall growth how many people i mean it's a hard sport uh is that going to limit growth of the sport you know we look at stand-up and i've had these conversations in stand-up going back a number of years and that that sport is just condensed it's consolidated as long as i've been in it foiling's exploding right now but how far can that go within within surfing where do you see it yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens because you know there's a few places in in Sydney out at like at Bondi Beach they now they've now banned boiling at that beach, which isn't really too big a loss. It's it's a pretty short and sharp close outy style beach break. And I think there is that sort of um, you know, some people are, you know it's it's pretty intimidating you know when someone flies past at 30 40 k's an hour on a foil on a wave that's hardly breaking, um, and when it's a crowded lineup, I think it probably shouldn't be used you know, no matter how in control you are, because if you see one person out there, then someone else thinks they can go out and try it. Um, I think as it gets more popular, that's, there's probably going to be a few more rules enforced and kind of common sense. You know, like I don't think if there's, if you don't need a good wave to foil. So I think that factor could potentially limit the growth of foiling. You know, people that are, not quite ready to be in, you know, more crowded situations and taking the foil out and basically making a goose of themselves and putting everyone else in danger. I think that could happen. In saying that, I think sometimes it's not the equipment that's dangerous, it's the person that's using it is dangerous. Um, but in terms of, I think it's going to take off on in places that are basically the waves are shitty, so especially when it's smaller surf, that's where I see surfers using them more and more. I mean, bigger stuff, I think you're going to see a bit more guys like toe foiling when the waves aren't right. Like, I, I imagine like Nazare, like that'd be perfect for foiling on a, on a big day with a tiny wing just because it's kind of a lump of a wave. I haven't been there, but like from videos, it looks like a massive takeoff and, and they're struggling to keep up with the wave on a, on, a, on a surfboard. On a foil, I think they'd be able to basically surf it more normally, less powder on the wave and up above and Obviously, you need a very much so high-speed foil, but I think the toe foiling at a place like that, they'd be surfing it better than they would if they were on a shortboard. Um, and then I really see the most person downwind side of the sport. Open ocean swells, one, you're pissing them off. Two, you're making the most of basically an untapped energy source. You know, you don't see surfers sitting out in the middle of a downwind run. And, and three... Yeah, there's no real limit to how many people you can have in a downwind run. You know, maybe I'll be wrong in the future, but at the moment, like, a crowded downwinder is like, you know, at a race you get 200 people, and it's not like you're running into people. You know, 
you get a whole lot out there and when the wind's on the bumps are on you can basically go from one place to another pretty quickly so I, I feel like that probably has the most potential for growth because it's you know, basically no one's doing it at the moment, mm-hmm. except for you know, your stand-ups and your set but there's so much room for growth there. All right, guys, that is the end of part one with James Casey. Um, we hit some bad internet, and James had to bounce. He had a commitment. We actually... We're scheduled to do an hour. We did about an hour 15. We just blew through it and we covered about half of what we wanted to go through. So James is coming on again in a couple of weeks. So if you like this show and you got this far into it, you probably did shoot me an email, Eric, E-R-I-K at progressionproject.com with anything you'd like me to hit James with in our second part two of the show. So all right, guys, I uh, appreciate you listening and think about coming down to hang out with James and Chase. I'll probably be there too over the summer and have fun. The Progressive Project.